0: scripture is intended to do is to be a part of our everyday living it's a very practical approach to life as a matter of fact when you look at the scriptures sometimes people talk in theory and they'll talk about how theoretically this ought to be or that ought to be but from a biblical basis the bible is a very practical guide and there are a lot of practical things that are set forth in Scripture that are, that are intended to help us be what God would have us to be in His kingdom. So we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3 in just a moment. I do want to express uh, our gratitude for Jonathan, his decision today to be restored. We're very grateful for his decision, and we want to rally around him and encourage him in any way that we can. So, as we think about a practical guide to living in Christ. Sometimes we get caught up in day-to-day living and we neglect our spiritual lives. Sometimes, because of our past, we get mired in guilt. We We have a very difficult time moving forward in life. And so I want to read for you what Paul said, again, in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Paul said, Not that I've already attained... First, based on what Paul said, we ought to be willing to look backward. And there are two things I want to share with you along these lines as we think about looking backward. Is there something to be said about looking into our past? Well, I think there is. First and foremost, I would say we ought to be willing to learn from our past, shouldn't we? Paul talks about forgetting those things which are behind. Someone has said, and I think I think it to be true, if there is anything we have ever learned from history, it is that we haven't learned from history, and that is very profound, because sadly, there are a lot of folks in our world today, they make mistakes, they get caught up in a lifestyle, they do things that are detrimental to their own physical and mental well-being, not to mention their spiritual lives, but they don't learn. So we have the opportunity, the privilege to learn from our from our past. What about our faults? Our failures. When you think about some of your faults in days gone by, some of the things, some of the mistakes that you've made. What about times when you have failed and failed miserably? Many of us, we would say, Look, I have many faults. I have failed on numerous occasions. Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, talks about his past life as a Jew. Listen to him, if you would. Back in verse 4, he said, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Paul now begins talking about his pedigree, his Jewish pedigree. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now you can go back and read Luke's account in the book of Acts. At the endeavors of Saul of Tarsus, and he was intent on destroying the church. As a matter of fact, Luke says he made havoc of the church. He did everything within his power to destroy Christianity, to really bring it down, didn't he? And you think about that baggage that followed him wherever he went. No doubt Paul could run mental images on a daily basis of some of the things that he had done and said in days gone by. We go back and we look at the death of Stephen. Who was present on that occasion? Specifically, Saul of Tarsus, wasn't he? Matter of fact, the Bible says they laid their garments at his feet. So Paul had the opportunity to learn from his past, and sometimes we need to learn from our past. To recognize that if there are things that we've done, said, if there are places that we have been that we had no business going, learn from that and move forward. So I would say, first of all, learn from the past, but then secondly, leave the past. Sometimes easier said than done, isn't it? When we talk about leaving the past, I would say this, let it go. Bury it. It might be the case that there are things that you've done in days gone by, and we talk about learning from our past. And it might be that like a ball and chain, you continue to carry around your past like baggage. Guilt is a terrible thing, isn't it? And there are a lot of folks whose lives are consumed with guilt. As a matter of fact, there are people tonight that will end this evening in a drunken stupor, or they will recreationally take some type of drug. Why? To escape their past to somehow rid their mind for just a few minutes of excess baggage. I would encourage you tonight, if there are things in your life that you have done or said that you're not proud of, number one, I would encourage you to repent of it if you haven't done that. Put it behind you. You know, the Bible says, speaking of the covenant under which we now live, The writer of Hebrews said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more. And all the writer there is saying is, number one, God forgives, doesn't He? This morning we talked about what the psalmist said, that with God there is forgiveness. Not only does God forgive our sin, no matter how deep, no matter how bad the sin might be, but God forgets in the sense that He doesn't dredge it up and remind us of what what we've done in days gone by. In other words, He lets it go, doesn't He? So if God has the ability to forgive and, just to borrow the word, forget, then shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be willing to put the the past behind us? I would encourage you tonight, if there are things that constantly plague you, mentally, emotionally, baggage, guilt, whatever, and you have asked God to forgive you, you have done what God has said to do in order to receive forgiveness, then my encouragement would be, look, maybe the best thing to do, write it down. Write down what you're struggling with, what you've been carrying around. Write it down, and then go out in your backyard, dig a hole, and put it in that hole. Cover it up. Why? Because you're buried. In effect, what you're saying is, I'm not going to carry this around any longer. God intends for his people, for those of us who belong to the family of God, to live in peace, doesn't he? We have peace with God, that's what Paul said in Romans chapter 5. We are to be at peace with one another, but if we're struggling with guilt and things that we did in days gone by, if we haven't been able to somehow rectify that, reconcile it, and put it behind us, It's going to always be a thorn in our flesh. And so you look at the life of the Apostle Paul and he says, look, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Really great wisdom here. So I encourage you tonight, learn from your past, whatever your past may be. If there are things that you've done that are well and good, then keep doing them. But if there are things that you have done, we talk about skeletons in our closet, if there are things that you've done and days gone by you're not proud of, and you've been bearing that all these years, put it behind you. It's time to let it go, isn't it? Now there's a second thing. First, we look backward. But then, not only are we called upon to look backward, but we must look forward. Listen again to what Paul said. Brethren, I did not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Living in the present. Moving forward. Forward progress begins when? Now. Now. We have to begin where we are in life. And then move forward. Sometimes it's good for us, sometimes I think it's good for everybody, to sit down and to evaluate our lives in light of the Word of God. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16, Paul said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them. And I think the counsel there is to first take inventory of our spiritual life and then look at our spiritual life in light of what the Word of God says. Is it possible for me to know if my life is pleasing to God? Yes. Well, how so? I take the Word of God. I look at what the Bible has to say in light of how I'm living. And then I can determine, okay, I'm doing this right. I'm doing that right. I've got a flaw here. I've got a fault there. Made a mistake here. And change. So, self-examination. I would encourage us to examine our life, first and foremost, in Christ. Where are you spiritually in your life? Are you where you want to be? Are you where you want to be, spiritually speaking? Look at the Apostle Paul. Paul had, as I read just a moment ago, a great Hebrew pedigree. He had sat at the feet of Gamaliel, extremely knowledgeable in the law, Here was this man that had all kinds of ability. Tremendous knowledge. He was, as we would say, a scholar, wasn't he? And you look at the life of Paul. And you think about how he evaluated his past with his present. And so if you had asked the Apostle Paul, Paul, are you happy with where you are in life? Are you happy? Listen to what Paul said. Pick up with me, if you would, in verse 7. And think about how Paul... Treated life. He said, What things were gained to me? He said, These I've counted lost for Christ. But indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith. Paul sought to the best of his ability to die to self, to live for Christ, didn't he? And if Paul counseled others to take spiritual inventory, there's no doubt in my mind that he took spiritual inventory in his own life. So if you had asked the Apostle Paul, Paul, are you happy with where you are in life? Paul would say, look, I'm doing my best to press forward, to be what the Lord would have have me to be. My goal, my desire, my aspiration is to mold my life into the example that Jesus set before us. Second question, we think about, are you happy with where you are spiritually? Secondly, are you where you ought to be spiritually? You know, sometimes we ask the question, are we where we want to be? But maybe a more important question, Are we where we ought to be? Paul grew as a Christian, didn't he? Are we not supposed to grow in Christ? Paul said, look, listen to him. Verse 12, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Here is the Apostle Paul. His desire is to go forward. When a person obeys the gospel, Peter said we are a babe in Christ, aren't we? He said, As a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. And so in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter would say, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If we're not where we want to be spiritually, the question then arises, can we get there? The answer is yes. We can get there. The question is, are we willing to put the time and effort in to get there? How do you grow as a Christian? By the Word of God, don't you? Don't we have to spend time reading and studying and meditating on the Scriptures? Striving to the best of our ability to come to a better understanding of what the Word says? And then we take opportunities to worship God on a regular basis. Because in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, one of the byproducts of worship is edification. We're built up. We are strengthened in the faith. And I think about our Bible classes. Two times each week we have the opportunity to meet. Well, actually three, Tuesday morning. We come together for the purpose of studying the Word of God. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul called for the elders of the church? He was in Miletus, but he called for the elders from the church at Ephesus. And so as he closed out his remarks to them, as he recounted his past history with them, He said, I commend you to God, to the word of His grace, listen to him, which is able to build you up. If you're not where you ought to be, then I would encourage you to spend more time in the word of God. And look, there, there are people that are not here tonight. We all know who they are. Typically, they're never here on Sunday night. And in most cases, when people don't attend services on a regular basis, they're not where they ought to be spiritually. So our goal is to try to encourage, exhort them to come to Bible class, to come to worship. Why? Because it's going to help them. It will help build their life in Christ. And so through the Word of God, through our worship to God, we draw closer. We become more like Christ, don't we? So it begins with examining ourselves, our life in Christ. But then there's a second thing. What about examining our labor in Christ? You think the Apostle Paul spent a lot of time thinking about how he might impact and affect the lives of other people, positively speaking, for Christ? You better believe it. Paul is talking about forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, pressing on. Let me tell you, Paul had a one-track mind. That one-track mind... It was all about Jesus, all about Christ. But then add to that, it was all about taking the message of Christ, the gospel of Christ, and putting that in the hands of people. Now you might think that odd. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Turn over to the book of Colossians for a moment. Look at Colossians chapter 4 for just a moment. This is one of Paul's prison epistles, along with Philippians, Ephesians, and Philemon. So here's Paul, he's writing about A.D. 61-62. He is imprisoned and he he has expressed his prayerfulness for the saints in Colossae and he fervently prayed for those who were members of the church. But in chapter 4, he asked them to pray on his behalf. So if you were in prison and suffering for the cause of Christ and you were going to write some faithful brethren, you were going to write some people, and you you were going to ask them to pray for you, what would you ask them to pray for? That your conditions might change? That your diet might improve? That you might be placed in a more sanitary prison cell? Would you ask them to pray for your release? What would you pray for? Listen to Paul, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. "...continue earnestly or steadfastly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the Word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak." Paul here making a simple request, and his desire, he coveted their prayers really not prayers for his physical well-being, his emotional well-being. His prayer was, look, you pray to God on my behalf that God somehow, somewhere, somehow, sometime will open a door so that I might do what? Share the gospel of Christ. So the Apostle Paul, when we talk about his labors in Christ, his love for the Lord, it was there. So what about us? Shouldn't we examine our labor in Christ The Hebrew writer talks about how we're to engage in a labor of love. Some of you probably have a job that you hate, I would imagine. I know some folks like that. They hate what they do. And when Sunday night comes rolling around, guess what? They dread Monday morning, don't they? A lot of people like that. They live for Friday. Well... I'm blessed to do something that I love to do. I get to preach, to teach, to encourage, and I do it because I want to do it, because I love doing it. And really, when we talk about the work of the church, it ought to be something that we love doing. It ought to be genuine joy to reach out to somebody who's struggling and hurting and down and discouraged and try to pick them up. It ought to be a labor of love when somebody needs a meal. And we send one over. It ought to be a labor of love when we go to the funeral home. And express our condolences to a family that has lost a loved one. Because that's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be. You remember in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talked about how we have been created in Christ Jesus under good works. And the idea is that in the eyes of God, we are His masterpiece. And so as His masterpiece, we are to use our talents or our abilities for His service in the kingdom. To further His cause. And in so doing, what do we do? We bring honor and glory to God. So we talk about our life in Christ, our labors in Christ, and then what about our, what about our loving, our love for Christ? Could I ask you a question tonight? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, and mind? Do you remember the question that was asked of Jesus? What's the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. He said, This is the first and great commandment. Practically speaking, we will never amount to much in the kingdom of God unless we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We will never be what He wants us to be. One of the reasons why the church in some areas, in some sectors of society today, one of the reasons why the church is not what it ought to be, one of the reasons why it's not that light set on a hill is because people don't love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind, then you put the kingdom first. Why? Because that's just the way it is. Because you love Him. And so, we talk about looking backward. But What about looking forward? Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, is pressing on. He's put the past behind him. His goal, pressing forward. So we think about looking backward, and we talk about... Looking inward, what about looking upward? Listen now to what Paul said: "I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." Our lives ought to be focused on Christ. Is your life focused on Christ? Is He the hub of your life? Does everything revolve around around the Lord? Do you remember in Colossians chapter 3 at verse 4? Paul had talked about those of us who have been risen with Christ. And he said those of us who have risen with Christ, that is we've been baptized into Christ. We have been raised to walk in newness of life. He said we are to set our affections on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. In verse 4 he said, and Christ, when Christ, who is our life. The Lord needs to be the focal point, doesn't He? Do you think the Lord was the focal point in the life of Paul? Yes, He was. You could go back and read Philippians chapter 1 sometime, and I would challenge you to go through chapter 1, and every time you read of Christ or Christ Jesus, underline that, or Jesus Christ, you will be amazed at how many times the Apostle Paul references Christ In chapter 1. Why? Because his life revolved around the Lord. And his goal, ultimately, to be with the Lord in heaven, wasn't it? We talk about focusing on Christ, but then also focusing on the crown. Did you know that as a child of God, we have hope laid up in heaven? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul talked about that hope that has been laid up in heaven for us. And he told those people, he said, Where have you have heard in the word of the truth of the gospel? We know about heaven. Why? Because of the Bible. What's our goal? Ultimately to go home and be with God one day. So with that in mind, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen, if you would, to what Paul said. Verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Now think about this for a minute. Paul had just said back in chapter 1, for to me to live is Christ. We talk about focusing our lives on Christ. For the Apostle Paul, everything was about Christ. But he said, to die is gain. Paul had this intense desire to ultimately be in the presence of God, didn't he? In verse 23, he said, to depart and be with Christ is far better. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul would say, look, Christ will be glorified in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul lived to glorify Almighty God. His goal, his aspiration was what? It was heaven. I guarantee you, if you had the opportunity to sit down and interview the Apostle Paul, he would tell you, if I were to miss heaven, I'd miss everything. It was all about heaven. Paul could look backward and learn from his past. Paul could look inward and analyze where he was as a Christian and what his ultimate goal was. Ultimately, share Christ. But then looking upward, it was all about going to heaven. So let me read again verse 12. Not that I've already attained... Or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Two things we have, and nobody can take them from us. We have hope, hope in Christ and we have a home in Christ, don't we? All we've got to do is live for the Lord day in, day out. And one day, ultimately, we'll be in His presence. For nearly 2,000 years, Paul has been in paradise. He got his wish, didn't he? He is now in the presence of God. He's with the Lord. One day, when it's all said and done, we'll be in eternity. And look, if we miss heaven, We miss heaven, we miss everything. Do we really understand how special heaven is? You know, Peter said, we have an inheritance. It is incorruptible, it's undefiled. He said, it fades not away, and it is reserved in heaven for you. You think about that for a minute. You have a reservation in heaven. And so, practically speaking, we want to live in such a way... So that Christianity is authenticated in our life. And our ultimate goal is heaven. We are, as we sing, just passing through this world. We are, as Peter said, strangers, sojourners, foreigners. We're not home. We're going home. And one day, we will be there. I don't know about you, but I can, I can speak for myself. There's some folks on the other side that I look forward to seeing one day. I've got some friends. I've got some family members. And you do too. And you don't want to miss them. Paul, his ultimate goal, press forward. Get the prize. So tonight we ask you, are you a Christian? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Do you believe that He is the Son of God, as He said? Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. The Hebrew writer said, without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would repent of your sins and then confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and then be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, God will put you in the church, and you will have that hope in heaven. Your name will be in the book of life. And one day when you stand before God, you'll hear these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys prepared for you. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.